Are you a bivocational youth leader, or are you curious about what it's like to be bivocational, where your ministry is not your only source of income? Maybe you're wondering how you could even do that. While it's not for everyone, our guest in this episode talks about how he's balancing everything and has also written a huge Bible study series that he's giving away to anyone who wants it. Even if you're full-time, I know you're still going to learn something from our guest today on Student Ministry Connection. Welcome to Student Ministry Connection, a podcast for those who serve in student ministry, want to connect, and desire to grow. My name is Steve Cullum, and I've been serving in student ministry since 1999. In the beginning, I was a volunteer and then moved into part-time, serving bivocationally with another part-time job and also going to school. While it was hard to manage all of it, God still used what I was able to give, and I learned a lot about balance during that time. Today's guest is Caleb Julien someone who has been serving bivocationally at his church and still managed to write his own Bible study series, taking care of his family, and so much more. How does he do it, and what can we learn from him? We'll find out right after I tell you about the sponsor for this episode. G-Shades is a youth ministry curriculum and teaching strategy focused on helping students see every life situation through the lens of the gospel. G-Shades has options to fit everyone with three plans to choose from. This curriculum gives you the resources that you need to do what you do better. Do you just need message outlines, a discussion guide, and a game? That's just over $200. Looking for a higher production value, including bumper videos, Instagram devotionals, and parent guides? That's just over $300. Or do you want an affordable, engaging video curriculum? G-Shades has you covered for just over $400. You will not find a youth ministry video curriculum at that price point anywhere else. There are lots of great curriculum options out there, but G-Shades is set apart because of their focus on the gospel. Every lesson focuses so much on Jesus and how to see the world and life situations through that lens of the gospel. You can also learn more about the creator, Mike Haynes, on episodes 32, 55, and 93 of this podcast. So head over to gshades.org, that's G-S-H-A-D-E-S dot O-R-G, to download Season 5 of G-Shades Youth Ministry Curriculum. And be sure to use the promo code CONNECTION at checkout to save $20 off your order. G-Shades, seeing life through the lens of the gospel. Thank you so much, G-Shades, for sponsoring this episode. You can find the link to G-Shades in the podcast show notes. Hey, Caleb, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. This is awesome. Yeah, no problem. So I I just happened to see you posted a couple times in one of the Facebook groups about this amazing work that you've been doing at your church over the last few years. And we'll get into that. But that's what initially grabbed my attention that you developed this, this huge curriculum and you were giving it away. And then on top of that, I found out that you're bivocational. So you did this in your basically in your free time between all the other responsibilities that you had, you developed this curriculum and given it away. So I was like, man, this is, this is a guy I need to have on the podcast. So (laughs) as we jump into talking about what ministry looks like bivocationally, I'd love to just start out with your story. How'd you get to know Jesus and how'd you actually get started in, in youth ministry? Yeah, great question. Well, I'm one of those those Christians that got saved when I was uh, very, very young. I actually got saved when I was three years old, just about to turn four. And so very, very young, as long as I can pretty much remember, I have been a Christian. And that was, I grew up in a Christian family, grew up in the church, had a, a great Christian family that was very, thought it was very important to read the Bible together, to to spend time studying God's word. And they, it was a generations old thing. My, my dad's parents were the same way and they very much carried that on to within our family. I'm only child actually. And so I'm sure my wife will tell you that you can tell that in my demeanor. <laughs> but I, yeah, I grew up in the Christian family, uh, grew up in church, went to a Christian school, was homeschooled and then went to a Christian school for the latter half of middle school, uh, through high school, and then ended up uh, graduating from there and going uh, away from my home state of Florida up to Bryan College in Dayton, Tennessee, which is just north of Chattanooga. And so I headed headed up there, and when I was up there, I got a, a degree in communications, was actually my ma- major, uh, minored in theater and minored in biblical studies while I was up there as well. 
And so when I, you know, part of my testimony, it's interesting because when you, when you get saved at such a young age, you don't have that, that crazy testimony of you have, you know, life of drugs. Like I was never, yeah. nothing like that. Like the Lord, praise God, saved me from, from that. And so I, my testimony, really a lot of it takes place throughout my life of the, the various struggles and lessons that I've had to learn. And so a big part of that took place for me in college. A lot of the reason I am who I am comes from my time in college. I love my alma mater is a great school. Highly recommended. I work there now by vocational. I'm, I'm in the marketing department uh, at that, at that college even now. But when I left for college, you know, I, I said I'm from Florida, I was dating a girl who was local in, in Florida, went to, she went to FSU and, you know, all my plans were, I was going to go to college. I was going to come back and, uh, move back to Florida and then get married. And like, that was, that was the plan. going to live in Florida and long distance relationships are hard. <laughs> and I, my second year of college in the first semester, we ended up breaking up. Now, it, some context for my, my story is that I always said I felt called to ministry, but I never knew what that ministry was. And I always, if you asked me, I would always have told you, I don't know what it is, but I know that it's not going to be two things. It's not going to be pastoral. And here I am. And it's not going to be international missions. No issue with international missions, just not where God's calling me. And the problem was that my girlfriend at the time felt called to international missions. And so that ended that relationship. Not really something you can build a long-term relationship with that. And so, but because of that, because all my plans were, were with this, you know, this, this girl and moving back to Florida and everything, suddenly I'm left with all my plans kind of in shambles. I want nothing to do with Florida because I've got nothing but memories back there that I don't really want to be around. And I'm left sitting in Tennessee, two states away, trying to figure out, you know, what on earth is going on with my life here? Like, this is not what I pictured. And so through much of my college career, I, I really was wrestling with like, what does God have for me? I fell in love with Tennessee once I, I kind of let go of that idea of plants uh, in Florida and ended up staying in Tennessee even to this day. But when I was a senior in college, I was really when a whole lot, had a rough year. I often said I felt like a little bit, I related to Job some my senior year. Hmm. My, I had a former roommate who dropped out of college, but we were very close. Like I said, I was an only child. But he was probably the closest thing that I've ever had to a brother. And he, my senior year, took his own life. And I was wow. the, the last person he texted the night before, like oh. I just this woke up the next day, hadn't heard from him, and then had his sister call me in tears and let me know what had happened. And so like wow. that just rocked my world. It rocked against small school. Yeah. Like it, a lot of people knew him. It rocked a lot of people's worlds that time. But I was one yeah. of the ones that was closest to him. He was a believer. Praise God for that. But it was... He got involved in some stuff that led him away from the Lord and got depressed and took his own life. And it was really, it was a really hard start to the, really the fall semester and it was in September of, of that, my senior year. And so I wow. just really, really struggled with that. And I just remember the, the, the absolute emotional grief that came with that in the same semester i met another girl who i was interested in I mean, uh, girls can cause a lot of problems when you're in college right <laughs> <laughs> and so i met another girl who I was interested in talked to her day before i was going to ask her to be my girlfriend she calls things off and you want to guess why because she feels called to international missions <laughs> just keep picking the missionaries <laughs> I, I, apparently so but it's funny when i met my wife who is now my wife one of the first things I asked her is, you don't feel called to international missions, do you? Should get this and covered said, no. right at the very beginning. I said, yeah. it sounds terrible that one of the standards on my list is that I, I need to not date someone who wants to be a missionary, like, because there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But I was like, this is not where God's called me. So that happens right on the tail end of losing uh, my former roommate. And then I had an old knee injury that kicked in. I was on crutches for like two months at this time. Like, this is all back to back. During the time of job, I was working remotely. I got let go from that job as this power move that one of the guys was trying to uh, get at uh, my boss who had got me hired. And so then I lose this job in the middle of everything. And so like all of these just compound all within like less than six months. And just it was wow. a it was a brutal period of time. And so during that time, obviously, I'm really struggling. What is God doing here? You know, like what am I supposed to do with this? And I grew really angry with God and the time. And I, 
I didn't want to serve him anymore. And I remember distinctly praying to God that and wrestling with this, this fact that I could, I, I had so much, so many reasons for my faith that I could not deny that God existed, but I didn't want to serve him anymore because I just couldn't understand why this was all happening. And I remember praying and telling him that like, God, I don't want to serve you anymore. I, I can't deny you're there. I don't know what to do. I feel like I'm at this impasse right here because I don't know what to do with my life. And I don't know what is like, why, why you would let all of this happen. And so I really wrestled with that for a while for maybe it really wasn't, it wasn't too long. It was no more than a month, but it was a real lot of heavy wrestling during that period of time. Sure. And I remember, and I still keep this little note on my phone from where I just one day was just wrestling again with it and processing out on, on typing on my phone. And I. I stumbled across and I actually wrote it down to, to kind of read to you a little bit because it's been so impactful to me. And this was what really just kind of changed my perspective on things. And as I read Romans eight twenty eight, and we know that and all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And so I'm sitting there reading this, like, why on earth? Like, how does this work for God's good? You know, like how on earth? At his work. And I stumbled across a excellent sermon by Lee Strobel. He did a sermon after the Aurora, Colorado shooting on the, the problem of evil. And to date, it is the best response to the problem of evil that I have ever heard. Highly recommend looking it up if you are wanting to just Google Lee Strobel problem of evil. But I want to read you a couple quotes from it that I stumbled across in this conversation and just put me on my butt. Basically, I just sitting there like, Oh my gosh, I don't, this is, this is what I need to hear. And so let me read it for you. He says, notice that the verse referring to Romans eight twenty eight doesn't say God causes evil and suffering, just that he promises to cause good to emerge. And notice that the verse doesn't say we all will see immediately, or even in this life, how God has caused good to emerge from the bad circumstances. Remember, we only see things dimly in this world and notice that God doesn't make this promise to everyone. He makes the solemn pledge that he will take the bad circumstances that befall us and cause good to emerge if we've, we're committed to following him. And then a little while later in the sermon, he says the, the following thing that really struck me. He says, but if you doubt God's promise, listen to what a wise man said to me when I was researching my book, The Case for Faith. God took the very worst thing that has ever happened in the history of the universe, deicide or the death of God on the cross, and turned it into the very best thing that has ever happened in the history of the universe the opening up of all of heaven to all who follow him. So if God can take the very worst circumstance imaginable and turn it into the very best situation possible, can he not take the negative circumstances of your life and create something good from them? And just hearing that, just, I remember crying and just being so struck by that God, all the, the pain and everything that I had in the grand scheme of things, as horrible as it was, as hard as it was, God was so very capable of handling those and causing good to come from those. And he proceeded over the next few months to let me even see how some could come from even some of the worst situations. And, and that struggle right there, that, that moment for me where I really wrestled with my faith, that has impacted a lot of my ministry even to this day, that that's my philosophy of ministry very much comes down to, I want these kids to, when they leave my youth group, that they have so much evidence for their faith that when, when, not if, when they struggle with yeah. their faith, they cannot deny the existence of God. They cannot deny who God is and that instead they have to wrestle with that and find the root of the issue and actually deal with it there. Because, mm -hmm. and, and so I, I know that as they go into college, as they leave my youth group and I'm no longer sitting there teaching them, I want them to have so much evidence that it is impossible that when they're put in the same situation as I am, they also say, man, this is, I, I can't deny who God is. I have to deal with this. And so yeah. that, that's really affected a lot of my ministry, my ministry and my philosophy of, of going into it. Yeah. Wow. Man, thanks for sharing, man. Jesus himself said like, you know, in this world, we will have trouble. It was a promise, Yeah. but, but to take heart, I've overcome the world. And, and I love how that has influenced your ministry, making sure that you're setting the best you can setting mm -hmm. teenagers up to face that trouble because it's yeah. going to happen, whether it be persecution or just natural strugglings of their faith or just hard times in life, how to mm -hmm. still hold on to their faith in the middle of that, because it doesn't mean, doesn't mean God's not there. It just means you may not feel him like you want mm -hmm. to at certain times, but, yeah. but he's still there. Wow. 
So when when did you actually step into ministry then? Was <laughs> it soon after that or was no, it actually. kind of still a struggle for a while? Yeah. So I graduated from Brian. I ended up working after one job for a few months and then I ended up work coming back to work at Brian starting in admissions actually at the time I was an admissions counselor for a long time and then eventually shifted to marketing. But when I graduated, I started attending the church that I go to now. Um, and that's where I met my wife. And so I met her there and we began to date and got married. And shortly after when we got married, we started volunteering in the youth ministry as youth leaders. We had the youth pastor at the time came up to us and said, Hey, we'd love to have you guys serve as youth leaders. Would you pray about it? And so we we both had already talked about being passionate about that age group. And my wife grew up in that youth group and she very passionate about it. Her youth pastor was not the one who was there at the time, but had really had a big impact on her life. And so she, we, we just were like, yeah, absolutely. Let's, let's come in, let's do this ministry. And so we hadn't been doing that for more than six months when COVID hit. And so as I, I'm sure every person that's listening to this podcast can say COVID changes everything. And so we, the youth didn't actually meet from, so 2020, March of 2020 till September, they did not meet in person. They did tried some zoom stuff. Zoom just didn't work. And I'm sure everybody can kind of relate to that. And so in July, during that period of time, our youth pastor kind of blindsided the church and left the church in mm. a different position, wasn't handled the best way. There was a lot of hurt that was surrounding that wasn't much warning. None of the youth leaders knew it was coming. There was no planning for how to fill in or anything like it. Just suddenly he was gone. And so there was a lot of youth that were left really hurt by that. There was like, not only are they struggling with COVID and how like everything that's going on in the world with that, but then their youth pastor, just the person that they're looking to for comfort, just walks out on them and they disappear, disappears. And they, they had a really hard time with that. Uh, and we were actually in, uh, my wife and I were on vacation actually in Colorado, um, and we're, uh, sitting there and my mother-in-law texted us and said, Hey, pull up the live stream. And we pulled it up and it was the youth pastor saying he was, he was leaving. And we were like, oh my goodness. And sitting there in the car, you know, about to go on a horseback ride outside the, the Rocky mountains, we, both of us, and neither of us told the other one this, both of us felt like we were so being called to fill that position. Mm -hmm. And. I told you, I didn't, I, I always said there are two types of ministry, international missions and pastoral. Those were not the kind. So I, I didn't even want to be a pastor. Like I, that was not in, in me at all. I've always loved teaching. I've always loved the Bible. I'm passionate about it, but I didn't want to be a pastor. And so, and my wife in the same vein, she's always said, you know, I'm too spunky to be a pastor's wife and I have a tattoo, so I can't do that. <laughs> so, she always said it was always against that, that as well. And so both of us in the moment are called like called separately that we need to to fill in this position and so we wrestled with it for a while individually still not telling each other about this as okay. we're processing okay. through and then actually after the goodbye of the the youth pastor they did a little get together in a park for this youth pastor i remember we were talking on the phone and it came out that we both had been thinking about this and being called this way and both of us were equally shocked that the other one was thinking that because we both knew where the other one stood and so here we are all of a sudden like we, sh I think we need to do this. Like, I think we need to do this. And from that moment on, like suddenly the Lord, when I really started to actually ex accept that that was what God was calling me to and got some advice and everything. And I, I ch God changed my heart. And I suddenly went from not wanting to be a pastor to just really actually having a desire to do it. And I, we approached our pastor and said, Hey, we want to get the youth meeting again what do we have to do to get the youth meeting and it's like well you can have them meet but they can't meet in the building and you have to do social distancing and all that and covid protocol and again no youth ministry experience here we're sitting there what do we do yeah like, i don't know what to do like how do yeah. you figure this out so we ended up coming up with social distancing game nights that we did at a local park where we would have had the youth get together and and we played foursquare or did like kickball or stuff like that that was much more you spread out and then we do a devotional yep. lesson style thing cool. and so we started out doing that and first night had five students we definitely had a big drop in numbers but we had five students who were so we we're just excited students showed up you know like <laughs> and then the next night more came and so on and so forth and pretty quickly on though we realized that it was going to get dark too early for us to stay at a public park because we were in september and it was starting to to get dark earlier as the time was going to change and so we ended up 
having them at our house and hosting them in our backyard to do bonfires every single Wednesday night. And so we had youth group at our house for the next couple months until really November when we were able to move back in. And during that time in October, my wife got pregnant with our son. And so she was like sneaking off to go throw up while we were having youth over at our house. (laughs) It was just this whole nice. It was a whole lot going on all at once. And so then we were able to move in and into the main youth room and and be there. And but it was weird to start during COVID like that was just again, nobody It partly made me feel better than nobody knew what they were doing. So it kind of leveled the playing field a little bit. Right. It didn't mean, you know, you were in the same boat as people like me and people that have been in it for 30, 40, 50 years. Like none of us knew what we're doing. So we're all on the same page. (laughs) Exactly. So it was it was kind of a got rid of the imposter syndrome a little bit. Yeah, I was like, well, at least nobody else knows, even the guys that have have done this for a long time. And so shortly after that, we were officially declared to be the interim and have been the interim for three years now. So, wow, that's cool. So you've been in your current position as an interim for about three years, almost three years, if I'm counting correctly. So what does that look like since you have a, you have a full-time job? So just to make sure that we're all on the same page, bivocational (laughs) essentially means Mm -hmm. that you have more than one career. Your career is not just ministry. So you have your full-time job, you have your family, and you're also doing part-time ministry on top of that, in addition to any other things that are, you know, in your life as well. So with that in mind, first of all, how many hours do you typically work a week? And then how, how does that all look? Total hours a week. So I do 40 hours at my, my main job at the college. And then I put in... I often spend lunch breaks working on youth group stuff so that, you know, 30 minute lunch every, every day that week, not always, but a lot of times I do. And then I put in anywhere from four to six, sometimes eight hours on Saturday writing lessons. And so my Saturdays are mostly gone for three years now doing that. And then Wednesday night teaching. So we probably put in when it's all said and done, probably anywhere about 40 hours a regular job and then 15 or more doing youth ministry, 15 to 20. So it's a lot. It's a lot of hours a week. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So 15 to or so hours, you know, sometimes, you know, LLS and and youth ministry know that, you know, sometimes you have a typical week and sometimes you have camps or retreats and all these Mm -hmm. other things that happen and some kid is struggling and, you know, you need to be there and all those other Mm -hmm. things that take up your week as well. So you could be end up working, I'm sure, 80 hours some weeks, oh, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what does that what does that typical week look like? What's your ministry look like since you have limited time to be able to do that? What's what's the ministry week look like for you? Yeah, so um, we do my big thing is Wednesdays and technically because I'm I'm the interim. One thing that I kind of a boundary I laid down pretty early on was that I can do one thing really well or two things kind of kind of poorly. And so I said, I'd rather do Wednesday nights, the big one really, really well and spend time writing lessons and doing a lot with those and having a real youth group that wasn't, wasn't struggling. But that means that I can't do Sunday school is what I said. And so, uh, that was kind of a a hard boundary. The church kind of had a difficult time with that at first, but one of the dads in our youth group, who was also a youth leader, he stepped up and he uh, actually had previously been the interim youth pastor at another time. And he did, does the Sunday school and has even to this day done it. And I'll fill in for him when he isn't there and he'll fill in for me when I can't do something. But so cool. Sundays I'm there, I'm helping with the, with the youth. I'm still up there and participating in Sunday school, but I'm not actually actively teaching most Sundays. Then I help in the, the booth for our live stream. And sometimes I'll come back and I'll work on Sundays if there's like a lot of stuff that I've got to do. Monday nights typically are my practice, my lesson night. I often record and practice my lessons, record the practice session just so that I have it. If some kids miss and want to have the lesson or later on ask me questions, I'm like, hey, I've got a lesson on that. And so I will do that my Monday evenings. Usually that's once my son is getting rocked to sleep by my wife or is down for the night, I'll disappear off in our bedroom and I'll practice for 30, 40 minutes on, on the lesson, run it through so that come Wednesday, I've got my games prepared. I've got come from work straight to, to home for about 30 minutes, eat dinner, and then head to youth group. And we'll, we'll have youth from six thirty to eight that on Wednesday nights and Saturdays and Thursdays are my, I'm not doing anything <laughs> night. If I can help it as my wife and I's little date night every week. And, and we do Saturdays is really when it kicks back in for me again, where I really do a lot of prep and I'll, I spend 
like I said, four to six hours on a Saturday prepping mm-hmm. a lesson. So nice. That's that's cool. And so what is your what's your volunteer team look like? Do you have a, a, a decent sized team around you or do you feel like it's you have to bear most of the load? I wouldn't say bearing most of the load. I, I would certainly I mean, I think everybody everybody can say that they would love to have a little more volunteers. Sure. But I have great volunteers. The ones I've got are great. I've got, we have 34, just got another one, four volunteers that, apart from my wife and I that are up there. And so they they help out. Sometimes they'll, they'll help out with games or like they'll actually plan out the games for me some weeks so that I have one less thing. If I've, like, I've got a really crazy week, hey, can one of you do the games for me this week? And so they'll jump in yeah. and, and prep them. And I really appreciate that when they step in and help with that. And then of course the one youth leader does Sunday school for me. So that's a really big thing for mm-hmm. me as well. Cool. That's awesome to, to hear you get a good team around you. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully definitely. share the, share the responsibility some. I appreciate so, my team so, a great deal. So being bivocational, you already alluded to this a little bit too. You have to balance a lot of different things in, in your life. The ministry is not the primary thing you're doing. It's not the the thing you spend most of your time in. You have your family, <laughs> number one. Yes. And so you've got wife, kids, another job, probably other things that you're into, hobbies, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. How do you balance all of these things being bivocational? That is the question, isn't it? I feel far from perfect at it. I'll say that. I am, I like I said, Saturdays are my big day. And I choose Saturday. I could do every, like spend some time on it every night throughout the week and then have my Saturdays back. But I've learned pretty quickly on that I didn't need to burn myself out and I needed to know my limits and space things out. And so if I work for eight hours a day, come home and spend time with my family and then work for a couple more hours each night, like that's no time for just my wife and I. That's no time for me just to decompress or anything. And so I've had to decide that, okay, unless it's a crazy week or something extra is going on, like my evenings are, are for me. And they are there for, for me to spend with my family and to decompress on my own and spend time with my wife. And so those are, that's been a big thing for me is, and there have been times where I'm like, man, I wish I had a Saturday. Like I can see the projects lining up in my house that need things that need to be fixed or stuff that needs to be done. But I, I definitely, that was a big thing for me is figuring out just my general week schedule of having to have the, the realization and boundaries within my own life to say, I know my limits. I know when rest mm-hmm. is important and I need to, I need to just take time to, to just have rest because rest is so healthy and like, it's so important and heavily emphasized in the Bible as well. And God designed it, didn't design us to work all the time. And so I have to know my own limits. And sometimes that's really hard to, to do that because there is always in ministry, no matter if you're full-time or part-time, there's always more that can be done in ministry. And so, yeah, I, I do that. I've said, you know, I said early on the boundary with the church that I wasn't going to teach Sunday school. That was a big thing for me that just, I, again, if I'm doing my Saturdays, I don't need to be prepping two lessons. I don't need to be trying to struggle. I want to do one thing really, really well. And so that was part for me. My wife and I, we have a a date night every week. Thursday night is after Mm -hmm. my son goes to bed. We just have an at-home date night where regardless of whatever else has been going on, that's the night that we are going to set aside to just spend time with each other. And so that's been really healthy for us in our marriage. We realized that we didn't always do that, but a little while in ways into the process, we're like, you know, we're not spending the time together that we need to be spending. We need to at least set aside one night a week. That is just our, our at home date. When I get home from work, uh, most of the time I'm straight off spending time with my son and just spending time with him till bedtime and, and devoting every bit of time I can in between with him. A lot of it has really come to to just knowing my limits and knowing where I needed to just place boundaries within my own life. One kind of co- controversial one that we chose to place as a boundary early on was that we didn't do, we decided not to do youth trips because again, that's so, uh, can be a lot of work uh, in addition and it can be really hard to balance with just simply work vacation schedules if you're doing youth trips. And so that was one that we just simply said, hey, you know, we're not full time. That's the kind of thing that if you want those things, we'll do full time. But in the meantime, we're going to teach the Bible while we're here every Wednesday night. You're going to get uh, Bible teaching. We're going to do the best to create still a really healthy culture. We miss doing youth trips. We really do. We want to do them. But that's just something that we've had to kind of make the hard choice of for our, our mental health, for our time. We had to set some hard boundaries like that. Um. So, so yeah, so that was, those are kind of the boundaries that we've set up for ourselves and just 
really trying to be structured in my schedule, structured in my rest and, and do get family time every chance I can. Yeah, that's, that's so important. And so glad to, to hear that, you know, you're able to put some of those in, in place and that your church is responding well to that because I think that's, that's one of the hardest things. One of my good friends has been for the last three years filling in as a volunteer interim and <laughs> That was a decision he made as well as like, hey, we just don't have the capacity to do trips. We love them as well. We'd yeah. love to eventually do them again, but we just got to draw the line somewhere and to be able to, I think what I'm hearing from you is being honest with yourself and yeah. being honest with what is really, you're, what you're really capable of during this time. And then kudos to you for just being, being true to that and not trying to stretch yourself to, yeah. you know, too much beyond that. I'm sure, you know, the struggle is probably still there and you don't, you're probably not perfect at it, but, <laughs> but the goal, goal of trying to not stretch yourself beyond yeah. where you can really go is, is really good. Yeah. And I, I got to give my wife credit too, where credit's due. Like I couldn't do this without her. She helps out, you know, I'm the official youth pastor. She helps out in so many ways. Like she does my lesson slides for me on Sunday evenings. Mm -hmm. And like, I, I do the notes and that was again, not something we always did, but she was like, you're stressed. You're literally spending Saturdays doing lesson prep Sundays, doing lesson uh, slides. Let me take that from you and help you. And so like that was, that was a huge thing for me. So if we have yeah. an event or something going on, she's great event planner. She'll plan that run, grab the groceries, get the food, that kind of stuff. And so she has been a, a immense help to me and I definitely could not do it without her. And she very much has been a partner in that ministry for me. That's awesome. That's, that's so cool. So Caleb, I know just from talking with other youth pastors and I know the stats, the vast majority of, of youth pastors in the world are part-time or volunteer. Like I think for my world, I was in the full-time you know, youth ministry world for a long time as a, as a local church youth pastor. And I didn't realize, I think for the longest time that I was in the minority that most people are not able to do it full time. And so there's a good chance that the vast majority of our audience in the podcast mm -hmm. are probably bivocational or yeah. volunteer or something like that. So knowing that that's probably a good chunk of our audience, what kind of encouragements would you offer to others that are in a similar position as you? Yeah, that's a great question. First, and I think it's very much coming off of the last question, don't be afraid to have boundaries with your church and uh, within your ministry. There is always going to be more to do, and you have to find those boundaries. You have to be able to have a healthy mental space for yourself. You have to have a good relationship with the Lord. You have to have a good relationship with your family. Like Those, are, those things need to be your priorities so that you can do good ministry. And so the, the thing is that if your church isn't is going to make the choice and many churches that's just the choice they have to make there's no fault of the church um, but if they're going to make the choice to have you bivocational then they can't expect a full-time youth pastor uh, and that can be a hard hard truth sometimes to swallow um, but those are important boundaries i think that you do have to be willing to place and and be able to be honest with yourself and know your limits um the next thing I would say is it really should probably be the first thing, but it's prioritize God's word above everything else. I went through a phase where I really struggled with burnout and I found that because I was so burnt out at doing lessons and everything, I found that I just didn't want to read the Bible. I didn't want to spend time in prayer. And I went through a phase where I just really was putting that on the back burner and it affected me. It affected my ministry. It affected my relationship with my wife. It was very clear that it was like causing a problem. And I found myself, I, did, I didn't have the desire to read more because I still felt burnt out. But I was like, you know what? This is a problem. I need to prioritize this and I need to make a choice to change this. And when I made that choice, when I reprioritized that, it just made all the difference. It, I went from feeling so burnt out to feeling like the Lord had provided me with energy. I felt passionate again about my lessons. I felt mm -hmm. you know, my relationship with my wife increased. It was just, everything was just better. <laughs> and so... When I put that first, when I made that my priority every day, and I can tell if I miss my devotions for a day or have to like try and fit them in in a weird way because I overslept or something like that, it definitely can, it messes with my day. And it, it is so, so important because you cannot expect to be teaching God's word to kids and to be setting an example for them and how your life needs to look and how, what a healthy Christian life needs to look like if you're not yourself putting God first in your life. And so that was a big one for me that I very, it's very high on my list of things that are important to do. I start every single day 
and I'm not a morning person. That was a hard pill to swallow that I needed to get up uh, like an hour earlier <laughs> before work just to spend time uh, by myself and, and reading my Bible, but it has made all the difference. So that's a big one for me. Really, the, the next one, the la- kind of the last one that I would say is that spiritual attack is so real and it helps to expect that it is going to happen. It helps to understand that that is what's happening. I don't think I, and I don't really think anybody truly understands just how much spiritual attack their pastors and ministry leaders are under until they themselves have been in that position. I knew like head knowledge. Yeah. Okay. Of course. Like that's, that, that happens. I get that, that you know, spiritual warfare is a thing. Of course I'd heard about it. I, I knew it existed when I stepped into that position it was like i painted a target willingly on my back and just the the moment almost that you step in that it's just heavy spiritual attacks at times where you have no idea what your pastors are going through and and one of the realizations i came to that was so helpful was one hey this is spiritual attack i can kind of separate myself from the moment and say okay it's going to be okay. There's a reason this one means I'm doing things right. And two, it means that, okay, this God's got me. I'm, I'm on the winning side here and I, I can kind of separate myself from it. But man, it's hard. There were, if, if there's going to be a night that my toddler does not sleep, it's going to be a Tuesday night. So then I come into Wednesday exhausted. <laughs> if yeah. there is going to be a night, a day that my wife and I are going to have to just be frustrated with each other, it's going to be a Wednesday as we come into youth group. My wife has big attacks on Thursdays the day after where she's just tired and exhausted and just gets hit on those days where she gets uh, just kind of discouraged. And I will, um, for me, the big one that I have that hits is just the emotional struggle. I'm not a melancholy person. I'm a very positive person. Oftentimes on Wednesdays, I will be in the most melancholy mood for the entire day and I will just find myself just so down and depressed and beating up myself up for no reason, literally no reason whatsoever. And I started to realize after a little bit of that happened, I was like, this is always on Wednesdays. This is always, this is so out of character for me. And it would get to the point where even though I loved Wednesday nights, even though I wanted to be at church on Wednesday nights, I, my, my mind and my emotions would be like, I want to curl up in bed and just not come tonight. And it was like everything in me and the moment. And I mean, is every time this happens, the moment that I step up there to start teaching, it's gone. And I mean, Mm -hmm. it's just like, it never was there at all. And I just, the Lord fills me up and I just absolutely Mm -hmm. just so excited by the, for the rest of the night, the rest of the week. And it's like, it, it will even be like just our hangout time beforehand. I'll still be wrestling with those feelings. And the moment I start to teach that will happen. And so recognizing that was so important for me. And so kind of where that comes into advice is one, realize that it's a thing. It's, it's going to happen. It's okay. You're on the winning side. It means you're doing things right to get people, have a group of people that are praying for you and that can pray for you. Once I really realized what was going on, I can very quickly identify it when it happens. And I've got a group of people I text and Hey, I'm struggling today with this. I need you to pray for me. I'm under spiritual attack and I just need you to pray. And mm-hmm. instantly, like I can feel <laughs> it, just the attacks lightning as, as I just get this shield of prayer around me from my friends, you know, across the country that are, that are praying for me. And I can do it the same, same thing. Like if I know a day is coming, that's going to be a huge youth night. And I know that that's probably going to be a night that I'm going to have some spiritual attack before it ever happens. I'm like, Hey, can you be praying for me on this day because of this? And that has made a huge difference in fighting back against that spiritual attack, not just receiving it and having to just kind of, you know, bear it and tuck my head and, and hope to get through it. It's really an active fight back. So I would encourage you, if you struggle with that, if you are feeling the same kind of way, have those people that you can just text and pray for you have, it doesn't have to even be a ton. It's just, I've got like three or four people that are my go-to, Hey, pray for me. I I need it today. And so having. Mm -hmm. I mean, the body of Christ come around you is so, so important. So that, that would be my kind of last piece of advice there. Cool. That's, that's so important. And I, I love, I love how self-aware you strive to be. And I think that's, that's a really good, really good tip for all of us. We need to be really <laughs> self-aware as much as we can and, and realizing where, where we do have faults or where we do have struggles or whatever that is, where attacks normally happen. And being being aware of that, and then doing something about it, that's that's so encouraging to to hear from you. One of the other encouraging things that I loved hearing from you, and it's really what 
drew me to have this conversation mm. to start with was this gigantic curriculum <laughs> that you you basically wrote in in all your free time as a bivocational youth pastor. All uh, you put this this all together. So tell us a little bit about this Bible series that you put together and and how it all came to be. Yeah. So I when I first started, one of the things that I noticed was that my my all the youth kids even the ones that had grown up in church that they didn't know basic bible stories and it was this really weird thing for me to to try and figure out like why why don't they know basic bible stories like what's going on like this didn't i don't know if it's a generational thing i don't know what but i was like i'm i'm having to teach many lessons within my main lessons just because i'm like so you guys know the story of you know abraham sacrifice almost sacrificing his son isaac and they just blank looks and be like okay all right, so we're going to talk about this story right now, and, and we're going to share this. And so we would get, I would be doing all these mini lessons. I was like, man, I need, I need to fix this because this is becoming kind of a problem for me. And I stepped in and, and just, just kind of talked it through with my wife and really started to think and process and strategize, how do I fix this? And so I ended up doing a series that I called All About Jesus. And the idea was that I wanted to teach basic Bible stories, but I didn't want to bore the few that had didn't that already knew knew those Bible stories. Like I didn't want to just absolutely have them check out. And so I ended up doing this series where basically I decided to show them how the entire the entirety of Scripture is a unified story that points to Jesus. And so I wanted to spend time going through basically I, I broke it into many series and so the first series was taking basic bible stories uh all the ones that you grow up in church hearing the taking those and showing the the typology and how they they each of them distinctly and in rather shocking ways can actually point towards jesus to to incredible details down to the very like dates that show up and um and the symbolism that's in there and so i started with that series and that was awesome and that really helps tackle that problem of how do you how do you give teach these kids the, the bible stories that they they should know you would expect them to know but also show them what the purpose of scripture is and so we jumped in there started there and then the next series and a lot of people told me i was absolutely crazy for this one was i talked about levitical law <laughs> and we talked about leviticus with middle through high schoolers and what is atonement and what are all these things? And basically what the focus of it was, was how does the sacrificial system, how does Levitical law, how do all these weird things that you read in one of the most confusing books of the Old Testament, how do they all in incredible detail point towards Jesus? And so we moved through that because we know that in the New Testament, they talk about the fact that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. And so I needed to be able to show how he actually fulfilled the law to these, these kids. And so it was a a bit of a monumental task to teach them uh, Leviticus, but they actually really enjoyed it. Funny enough, they they had a great time with it and learned a lot. And then after that, we did just, it was really only a two-part series as far as the the next section was, and it was just a prophecy. How does, like, what does, not not how does prophecy point towards Jesus, but if the Messiah is is prophesied in the Bible, what would he have to look like? What are the boxes? What is the profile of who the Messiah would be? And what should we see when the Messiah steps on the stage? And so gave them just like a bunch of big hitter prophecies of like, this is a profile of what your Messiah would look like and how he has to, the, the boxes he would have to check in order to be the Messiah. Um, and that led us into the, the actually talking about the life of Jesus, where we proceeded to go through and show how he checked off all those boxes prophetically, how we knew that this was who the Messiah was, uh, and then finished with the spending a long time and the, just the passion week and how that week really took everything it was kind of the crescendo of, of all of scripture and where everything was pointing towards that moment and did a few lessons just showing how all those other previous lessons we had talked about came to head in this moment and so it ended up being and it did not it was not intended to be this long but it ended up being an 80 week series it was huge it was we were in it for many years <laughs> most a lot of the time that we were about half the time I've been doing youth ministry we've been in this series um, but it was really beneficial for our students it kind of changed the way they looked at scripture you could see that uh, I'd have adults in the church coming up to me like I want to learn about Leviticus and how it points to Jesus I'm <laughs> like well <laughs> you should help out in youth group, <laughs> Come to youth group. yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so this, these are the things that your middle schoolers learn they can tell you what atonement is yeah. and and so they 
that was a really cool series. And what I didn't expect was how it ended up blowing up on on Facebook that time. I yeah, I literally I just like I said, I I believe very much in writing my own lessons. I just have always I've never been content with the level of depth that comes from curriculum. And just even if for no other reason, then I don't know the material as well. And I want to be able to teach it. I want to be able to answer the questions on it. And so I want to spend time actually in building my own lessons and studying scripture. And it was an incredible journey for me, for one. But two, it was also just I I was I, I had done all this work. And I was like, I, I don't know, maybe some people out there would want this. I expected maybe 10 people periodically as as I'd been looking on Facebook, I'd see somebody ask like, hey, I'm having this problem about kids knowing Bible stories. And I'd just comment, hey, I've got these lessons. If you want to take a look, these they're not done, but these are the ones. And so they would they take a look at them and and my all of a sudden it just blew up and you saw the post and I started actually mapping it out, like all the different places that yeah. people were saying they were using the lessons. And I mean, it was it was global. It was actually a global, two hundred and fifty three different locations. I, I I had a youth pastor at a small church and and a relatively small church in Saudi Daisy, Tennessee. Like I, fifteen to twenty students. I wrote it for those fifteen to twenty students. I didn't expect it to to go across the globe, but I had people just telling me, "Oh my goodness, this is exactly what I need. I'm so excited about this. I I love this. This is awesome." And I was like, "Wow! Like look at." Look at what God can do. And next thing I know, like I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm being asked to be on a podcast. I'm being, I was put a, as a moderator on a new bivocational youth pastor Facebook page, which definitely look it up bivocational youth pastors on Facebook would, would love to have you guys there. But then also I'm one day I'm, I'm on a, on a phone call with a man in Nigeria who's one of the only Christians in his, in his community, lives in a nomadic community and like is trying to figure out how to start a ministry to minister to the Muslim youth in his area and mm. the Muslim it's like a he's at risk for persecution for doing this and I'm, I'm on the phone with this guy and I'm like I don't know what I who, I, who am I I'm, I'm a, I, I said I didn't want to be a pastor right uh, and so so all of a sudden just what what it showed me was that the Lord can do so much more with when you're with what you offer if you're diligent in your ministry, if you're diligent in what he's called you to be doing, he can do so much more than you can ever imagine, you know? And so I got to a point where I just started saying, yes, I was like, okay, God's clearly, I didn't plan to be here anyway. So I'm just, yeah, sure. I'll talk to somebody in Nigeria. Sure. Like I'll hop on a podcast. Like I wasn't expecting any of this, but God has done such incredible things with it. And then it was really encouraging to me, especially I was coming out of a, a just again, period of kind of discouragement in ministry. And feeling like, man, I'm, I'm put so much work into this. And all of a sudden, like God was like, no, like this, there is a reason for this. And I'm going to do some things that you didn't even plan for it with it. So that's, that's awesome. And I think what I hear on top of everything else you've said, I think it's really important. I think for, for everyone to hear, but especially, especially those people that are listening, that are in a similar position as you bivocational feeling like you don't have a ton of time to pour into this. You wish you could probably pour more time into it, but God's taking what you have, what you're able yep. to offer up and blessing it, multiplying it way beyond where you you've ever imagined and, and being able to, to use, even if it is just a little bit, he's, he's able to use that in some amazing and mighty ways. So mm -hmm. thanks for being just so diligent with, with what you are able to give. I know yep. you, Probably want to give twice, three times, four times as much, but thanks for sort of really honoring what you're able are able to give and and God blessing it for sure and and using yeah. it. Yeah. Well, thank you, yeah. thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. And and I would say if you are out there and you are doing bivocational ministry or just full time ministry and you're discouraged, be diligent to what the Lord has called you to do. He he knows what he has planned, and it's far more than you can ever ask or imagine or uh, even dream of. And so it. It was an incredible lesson to me to realize that I just needed to be diligent where God had put me and he would take care of the rest. Absolutely. So Caleb, if people want to connect with you, they've yep. heard, you know, today they're like, oh man, like he's got a similar story to me or I can learn from him or hey, I want to bounce some, some ideas off of him or check out your, your, your huge Bible series that you did or join the, join the group. What, what are some of the best ways for people to connect with you online? Yeah, you can find me on Facebook. Caleb Julien, J-U-L-I-N is my last name. You can 
find if you're in the Youth Pastors Only Facebook page or a few others, there's some, you may see my name popping up in there. Find me there. That's, I'm more than happy to send that link to you. If you want to message me on Facebook, I'll send it to you. I, you can I'll give you my email address. You can reach out to me at njulin at gmail.com. I'm more than happy to talk with you that way. Jump in on our bivocational youth pastors group. I'm one of the moderators there. That's a growing group and it's exciting. We're still very much getting started, but it's exciting to see what what's going on there. And the purpose of that is really just to to encourage you and and be a part of that. So I'd love to have you there. I'd love to talk to you. I I'd love to send you those lessons if you want them. And whenever I finish this next series, you guys can have those too. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast, Caleb Ben. Really appreciate your taking some time. I know you you don't have a whole lot of it, so thanks for for taking <laughs> yeah. some time with with me and with our audience. And uh, just pray that God continues to to bless your ministry and bless your family and and all your efforts that you're putting forth toward the kingdom. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, and thank you for having me. It's been awesome. Thanks so much for being here for this episode. I hope you've gained some wisdom from Caleb's experience. And if you know someone who also would enjoy this podcast please be sure to share it with them. Next episode, I'll welcome back my friend Travis Deans to talk about Cobra Kai and Karate Kid and how it all relates to student ministry. You don't want to miss it, so make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast app. If you'd like to support my ministry through National Network of Youth Ministries, please be sure to follow the link in the show notes where you can sign up to be on my prayer partnership team and my financial partnership team. If you have any questions about any of that, please be sure to reach out. But thank you so much to those who have partnered already. I really appreciate it. Before we go, I also want to thank G-Shades for sponsoring this episode. Be sure to check out their website at gshades.org and use the promo code CONNECTION to save $20 off your order. And while you're there, be sure to check out the blog and the brand new book from G-Shades founder Mike Haynes. Also, if you're going to be at either of the Download Youth Ministry events in October or November of 2023, I'll be there too, so be sure to say hello. And if you haven't yet contributed to the 2024 Youth Pastor Compensation Survey put on by Dan Navarra, a friend of the podcast, be sure to grab that link in our show notes as well. We're going to be back in a couple weeks with our next episode, but until then, be sure to stay connected and may God bless your ministry. Mm -hmm.